Hello, my name's David, and this is the Hypothetic RL, a podcast about the what ifs of rugby league history. So, over the last few months, I've just been thinking about a, a concept, just a, a bit of a thought bubble about uh, players and eras and, and how we compare players. Uh, so, I have heard on a um, you know, few people saying, you know, things like, oh, the modern players would would tear the competition apart if they played back in the day and you know then you have the opposite uh thing of you know the, some of the older people saying oh they couldn't have survived in our day and things like that um and it feels like in every generation there's the generation before telling them how soft they are and things like that um and look to extent i think both sort of positions are kind of right um and you know like with with a player who is trained with the modern sport science and you know everything that going for them they've got you know specialist coaching they're full-time professionals so they don't have to worry about holding down a job as well they can train for a lot longer and all these sort of things um the players have reached this level of professionalism that they never had like they never had before um and obviously their results are better they are better athletes than than the people that played a decade or two decades or ten decades before. You know this game is quite an old game, um, and you know it's been improvements in different things. There've been changes in rules that have made changes as well. Um, so what I thought I would do is because it's not a really fair comparison to say let's let's have a look at you know a, a powerhouse of today's game and and what they could do at the moment and. And then sort of try and say, oh, well, they're better than this person or anything like that. Um, so what, I, what I've what i been toying with is is basically an idea of, of a kind of a sub-series that I'm going to drop in every so often. Uh, this will be the first one I do. And it's, I'm just going to call it Time Travellers. Um, and the idea of it is that I have uh, a certain number of different eras of rugby league. Uh, so I've got 11 eras. I've got the 1908 to 1920 era, 1921 to 1934, 35 to 46, uh, 40, sorry, 47 to 57, 58 I mean, you could argue those in different ways, but I feel like they're kind of the main sort of turning points. Um, you know, like if you if you look at this, the most recent history, like the era from the 1980 to 1989, you know, I mean, a bit of 1990 was sort of similar, but by the time we kind of changed to come to the 90s, there was this, there was less players who were, who were part-time and there were more players that were going more sort of full-time. And then we had Super League War. So by the end of that Super League War, which is 97, you know, we've got a, a different complexion. The games started to be played a bit differently, but you can't say that the games in the late 90s and early 2000s are anything like today because there's a, a different level of professionalism now. And even from 2013, 14 to now is quite different. So that's why I've kind of broken those up uh, in that way. I mean, I've I've tried to keep, yeah, the St. George era of dominance is kind of 58 to 68. It's I know it starts a bit earlier than 58, but it's in that area. Um, you've got the war years, you've got the, the early war years, you know, it kind of all works. Um, and then what I've done with that is I've gone through and I've found 12 different players that can take our little journey on a time travel machine. 
Um, but what they're going to do is they're not going to they're not going to go as how they are now. What we're basically going to do is we're going to say, all right, instead of them being born, you know, for the current players in the current era, instead of them being born in the early two thousands um, or the late nineties or whatever wherever they were uh, to be their current age that they are at the moment, they're going to be transplanted so that their age now is the age that they will be in the middle of that era. So basically they're going to grow up, they're going to, you know, go to school and go through the grade and they're going to come through and they're going to have everything that the player from that era will have. Um, now this is all hypotheticals as we, we sit here and we hypothetical all the time. Uh, but I'm just, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to uh, randomly generate a player from an era and a different era that they're not from and then just have a discussion about it uh have a talk about what effect that could have possibly had where they could have played because some of these players are going to be in clubs that don't exist in the time periods that that they're moving to um what effect they would have had on the competition what effect it would have had on their personal their game their sort of personal kind of thing like that uh so you know whether they would have suited that era or not uh and yeah just a just a general discussion Obviously, these are all just my opinions. Uh, I'm happy for you to, you know, send me an email, hypotheticrl at gmail.com, or I'm at hypotheticrl on face on sorry on uh, Twitter, uh, and yeah, f- let me know what you think. If you think I'm completely off the mark with it, then yeah, just let me know. If you're interested in discussing one of these, I'm happy to open it up and I'm happy to to do it. But be aware that it is random. So when I push the button, you won't know what's going to come out. Uh, so it's not a lot of preparation. I'm basically going to push the button and then I'm just going to quickly push pause and do a quick Google to see if it's a really older player because there's some, some guys in here that I don't know a lot about. If it's a more modern player, I'm going to ba- basically just go straight into it. Um, so we will push the button and we will see exactly what we're going to come up with. And what we have ended up with is Cooper Cronk, and he's going to be in the 1980s. So, obviously, Cooper Cronk is a Queenslander. Um, we're not going to send him directly to the BRL because I don't know a lot about the BRL. But what we're going to say is that he is a, a young prodigy, comes through grade in the late 70s, uh, has a little bit of success, success in the BRL. And then the Sydney clubs come chasing, um, which is you know basically what the Sydney clubs were doing at the time. I know the Barrel was a lot stronger, and I know you know guys like Wally Lewis and Mal Meninga, Gene Miles, you know they all stayed in the Barrel right up until sort of late eighties, early nineties. Uh, but we're going to say that the lure of Sydney was just too strong for a, a young Cooper Cronk, an unusual name for an eighties an kid, a kid, sorry, not even an eighties kid, a seventies kid. Um, but you know. Cooper uh, coming through grade and first thing we've got to do is because he's a Melbourne Storm player obviously and then a Roosters player later on we have to find him a club um, so I'm I'm just gonna have a I've just had a quick look in terms of the clubs so obviously in 1980 we had 12 clubs uh, by 1982 we had 14 in 1983 we had 13 so 
Uh, I might just have a look at... Let's have all the 14 clubs from 82 uh, and the possibilities of where he could play. And then we might sort of discuss how he would fit in as well. So I'm just going to... So going through the 1982 table, we've got Parramatta. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen because Peter Sterling is there and Parramatta's not interested. Uh, Manly, I think, is probably a very long shot. Uh, I know that you know Manly had... Well, are they a long shot? Let me just think about it. So... Manly, yeah, who have they got as their halfback? It would be Hasler at the time, would it? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm just looking at a team list from the first the first round of 1982, and I don't recognise the name. Um, uh, maybe what I should do is I should look at the, the grand final of 1982, because that's probably going to tell me a lot more about who they would have played. They had Phil Blake... Very, very good player, Phil Blake. Let's put Manly on the maybe list, just for now. Um, third in 1982 is North Sydney. Uh, I think North... Uh, from memory, what North Sydney had, uh, I do remember that they... I did do a, an episode with um, uh, Mitchell Cox, but he was a 5'8". Uh, I'm not sure who their, who their sort of halfback was at the time. Sorry about this. Kevin Wilson is in that semi-final. It's not a very recognisable name for me, but uh, maybe people know him really well. I might just have a look at some other some other games that he played that they played. Uh, Paul McCaffrey, I know a little bit better. Maybe it's Paul McCaffrey. So I think North's is a really big possibility. Obviously, North's not uh, not one of the biggest clubs, you know. I, they did sort of bring players down, I think, you know, eventually, but they usually brought them down. Well, I suppose they brought some Queenslanders down in the nineties. So, you know, North is a possibility. Uh, Eastern suburbs there. I know I looked at 1980 Eastern suburbs and had Kevin Hastings there. Uh, in 82, I think he may have retired by then Hastings. No, he's still around. So you've still got Kevin Hastings around. I'm not sure if he was playing in the, if he was the, the most, uh, got, well, that was a late change. Robert Laurie playing uh, in their game. They got defeated in the semi-prelim final. Um, who else we got? Yeah, Kevin Hastings. I think Kevin Hastings is, is the East guy. I don't think they're going to change him. He's been around since the 70s. You know, I mean, he might have... Maybe Cooper comes down and, and understudies for him a while because Kevin's getting a bit... Well, I mean, he's only 25. He's still got plenty of time to go. But um, yeah, I think I think East might be out of the realms. Uh, West, I had a look at before. I don't think I kind of don't think West is the kind of team that brings someone down. Uh, not from Queensland, not that sort of time. Uh, I might be wrong, but um, I think that's probably more of a long shot that you have West than you would have Norths doing it. Um, yeah, I mean the. In the halves, they did have Terry Lamb, and uh, I've got uh, Greg Cox is in this preliminary final, the semi-final. Um, so maybe West is a possibility. Uh, who else have we got as we're going down our list? Uh, South Sydney. That's I did have a quick look at South in 1980. So I went through and looked at 1980, and that didn't really tell me much. Um, but yeah, maybe in maybe in 82, South Sydney. 
Jeff Smith. Don't really know a lot of these names. I'm sort of struggling with the struggling with a couple of these. Craig Coleman was around in in that time, so I I think that's more kind of realistic. Craig Coleman's going to probably hold his spot. Uh, Newtown, well, Newtown was almost out of the competition. They couldn't really afford anyone. Canterbury would have had Steve Mortimer. Uh, Cronulla and St. George are down there. St. George was starting to drop away, so... Uh, and then they kind of picked back up in 85, so maybe maybe they could have. Uh, let's just have a look at this one here. Just have a couple of the games. Bowman had Steve Martin, so and Olsen Filipana in the halves, so yeah, I don't think that's going to... I don't think they would have picked him up. Uh, Balmain had quite a young side. It'd be interesting if they could have, because yeah, they might have they might have been really good with him. Uh, let's have a look at this. So that's yeah, Perry Haddock for Corolla. I don't really know Perry. Don't know much about him, um, but yeah, maybe Cronulla is a possibility. Uh, I don't think St George is is that much of a possibility. I think that's just trying to find who St George had. Oh, that's right, Steve Morris. So Steve Morris, Slippery Morris. I, I mean, he had moved in from from out towards you know wing, wing and stuff like that. Uh, I don't think they're replacing Steve Morris, not at this time. So I think that's probably a no. Um, we talked about Balmain. As we get down the bottom, we've got Penrith. I think Penrith's not going to have the, the cash to bring someone down anyway. Uh, Illawarra had a, a policy of trying to do local, basically have local juniors, and the only other possibility is Canberra, um, which I found uh, they got Chris O'Sullivan, so I think they're, they're pretty right. But I found it interesting that the very first halfback for, um, for Canberra was a guy called Jerry De La Cruz, which never really heard of. Um, only had three appearances. Uh, I don't in that season. I don't know much else, you know, sort of about him. But he was the very first halfback, so the very first guy to wear Canberra's, you know, green the green machine of number seven uh, in in the first grade competition was a guy called Jerry De La Cruz. So uh, Canberra fans are probably all like, "Yep, yeah, I knew that," but I'd never heard of this guy before. Um, okay, so I suppose I've got to make a decision on, on which team is going to pick him up. Look, I think out of all of those, I think maybe North Sydney might be the most likely candidate because usually clubs like Manly and Easts would be looking for this sort of stuff, but I think they're both pretty well covered in that position. And I mean, he might have been a, a sort of youthful sensation or something like that, but if we just think about if we just swap back to, to Cooper Cronk as the person and we remember that the way that he came into grade, and it might have been Craig Bellamy's thing, it might have been nurturing through, but he basically came in as like a bench hooker, got a little bit of game time. Um, I don't. I think that the three of them, I think Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, Billy Slater, were all seen as being prodigies, like seen as being great players of the future. And I think they just didn't know where to play them. And, and you know, like, a, I, I believe that Cameron Smith's very first game was at halfback. So, you know, like, it, Cooper Cronk, was, I remember being that kind of bench hooker sort of role for quite a long time. And then 
finally they sort of went, okay, well, he's he's got the skills to be a halfback. So I feel like he probably hones his skills a little bit in the BRL. He starts to emerge as a, as a young and upcoming halfback. So I don't think clubs like Manly and East and not Parramatta, I don't think they're interested. I don't think Western Suburbs bring someone down. Newtown's definitely not because we're almost bankrupt. Canterbury's got the Mildemar. And then by the time you come down, I don't think anyone, Cronulla and George or Balmain are going to, are going to sort of do that. Um, and like I said, I mean, North Sydney side, you know, there was, they had a halfback. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but probably not someone that who couldn't be, I mean, Paul McCaffrey could, could definitely be replaced. Um, and no, no disrespect to Paul, but it could be a case that, you know, they look at him and they're like, well, he's a young and upcomer as well. He's only 22 in 1982. Uh, we're saying that Cooper's going to be around the same age. Maybe he comes down, they trial against each other, and Cooper Cronk gets the thumbs up instead of Paul McCaffrey in 82. Um, and, yeah, he starts playing uh, for Ron Willey, so, um, who's the coach of Norse at the time. Uh, so if Cooper Cronk plays for North Sydney from say 82 on, would say he's 22 at the same time. All right. So he's, he's gone through the BRL. He's, he's honed his game. Um, I'm not sure what profession he has, but, uh, probably something in, uh, in data, if data is a thing at the time, uh, Cooper Cronk, very good at, at, um, looking at analysis and things like that. So, uh, something that would suit that maybe he's a bank teller. That might be that might work really well for him, uh, but either way, I think that Cooper Cronk is the kind of player that works on his game and sees the game because he watches he watches it so closely. He's a very good analyst, and he makes me feel like he's in a similar way to to a Peter Sterling. So he is not the most athletic of them. He is definitely you know, a very, a very skillful in terms of what's happening between the ears. Um, and I'm saying he's about the same age as him too, because in 82, Sterling was 22 as well. So what I'm thinking is he comes through uh, from BRL, so he's probably doing his juniors there. He comes, he signs with North Sydney. Uh, he's then, you know, leading North Sydney rounds. He's learning the game as Sterling was at the time, uh, except Sterling had already won a premiership by now. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that he would be fairly successful. He's not going to be uh, struggling in any way, but I also don't think he'd dominate this competition. So I think if you look at the way that he plays and, and his analysis, it's very, very good, uh, but I don't think anyone ever beats Peter Sterling for the way they read a game. So this is the way... This is the way I kind of think about it. I look at it and I say, well, he's probably... maybe He's not the same kind of character as, say, a Steve Mortimer, who has got a little bit more of of the kind of grit. Um, still very skillful, um, Turvey, but he had he sort of wasn't the let's know it's happening three plays ahead like a Sterling. I think Cooper Cronk's more, that, more the Sterling kind of mould. Um, I think that he possibly gives North Sydney a little bit of a boost. I think he's probably a slightly better player than um, than McCaffrey is. So what we're going to have to say is they're obviously going to win more games. Uh, if that's the case, let's... I'm not sure if that's the case or not, but uh, if it is, then 
in that season in 82, I mean, I can have a look at North Sydney's run all the way through. We'll probably just start with 82. Um, and, you know, in 82, they won uh, 16 games, one draw, they finished third. Uh, let's let's say for argument's sake that, you know, they, they had nine losses that season. Let's say that Cooper Cronk turns around two of those games. That just by him being there, being a slightly better halfback than than what they had there at North Sydney, that he can get them two extra wins. So if he gets them two extra wins, it means that they get a home final against Manly rather than being away. Not that it really matters as, as much as you think it does, uh, but I, mean, I suppose just the just having the edge over them and being the, the higher-placed team. Um, so in that very first game, Manly quite easily dispenses of North. 26-3 to um, I'm going to theorise that North beats Manly so that means when the second round comes around you've got Parramatta playing Manly and, and Manly had beaten Parramatta fairly convincingly 20 points to nil um, let's say North Sydney also wins so Norths go into the grand final uh, Parramatta turn around after East go on a bit of a run and beat Norths so we'll say that East also beat Manly, so it knocks them out. Um, and then Parramatta easily dispatches East 3-3-0, and it comes up to grand final day, and we'd get a, a North's Parramatta grand final, which would be a very interesting grand final. But I still think, even even though we had that you know that early game, that 82, Parramatta kind of turned, had that bad game in, in the first week of the play, or the first week they played in the, in the in the finals, but uh, turned it around and won it. So I still think Parramatta wins in 82, but I think we could probably get North Sydney to the grand final, which is very good. Um, and then as they go forward, we're going to have a look at what happens with North Sydney. So North finish just outside the finals the next year. I think with Cronk, they maybe don't finish outside the finals. They might. They only need one more game and they get into a playoff for, for fifth. So they could possibly make the finals again in 83 which would be a good thing for them um, and then in 84 they're not doing so well they're kind of third or they're coming 11th so you know I, I don't think he can churn that much fortune around for them so I think they're still going to have a problem there uh, in 85 they're also 11th they're kind of plateauing out um, <clears throat> so maybe North Sydney wasn't the best team for him to go to but um you know, I mean, he might have got them a couple extra wins, but he's not going to be able to do that much. And then, sort of by '86, they're in a, a playoff with Balmain. Uh, maybe he gets them over the top of Balmain in '86, because Balmain go on a run and get to the prelim. So, you know, if they get one extra win, then you know, Balmain's not even in the playoff. Maybe Norths goes on the run, gets to the prelim. That would be a really good thing for them. Um, and then, sort of '87. He'd be getting, you know, be getting a bit older. He'd be 27. He, they're still struggling at North Sydney there. Um, and then, yeah, by 88, they're still struggling. Yeah, I don't... I kind of want to change it now. I don't want him to be at North, so I kind of want to change the team. Maybe what we do, have another look at another scenario. So, say he doesn't pick North. Let's, let's have a look at... Let's have a look at some of these lower-ranked teams because... I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna go to some of the other ones. The other possibilities I sort of talked about was Balmain, and I did talk about Canberra really quickly. So, um, 
I mean, Balmain's options at half back in 82. Let's see, who did they have playing in 82? Uh, Balmain, oh, that was Steve Martin, wasn't it? Was it still Steve Martin the whole year? Round one, it was Steve Martin. Uh, it seems like it was Steve Martin. Okay, so future North Sydney coach Steve Martin. I think he could probably displace, displace him. Um, that's, where's, how many games? Where's Steve Martin? 25, so a bit younger. Um, now he's, he's still a very good player, Steve, but uh, maybe a, a young Cooper Cronk could displace him. Uh, the other option, like I said, was, was Canberra. So Canberra had Chris O'Sullivan. Um, they did kind of look at Queenslanders, actually. They did bring them down, uh, but not really in that first season. So, I mean, the first season, uh, I don't know enough of these guys to know exactly where they're all from, but yeah, don't remember. There's a, there's a few Queenslanders sort of sprinkled in there, from what I can tell, um, but not to the same extent as what they had. Uh, could have could have gone to to there and could have ended up playing with Craig Bellamy, which would be quite serendipitous, um, you know, because Craig was there. That was his first season in first grade uh, in 82. Um, could very well have done that. That'd be very interesting. Um, so let's have a look at those two as scenarios, actually. So if the scenario is... Let, let's do the Cronulla one, uh, sorry, let's do the Canberra one first, and then we'll, we'll, end, up with the, we'll end with the Balmain one. So going back again, let's let's kind of kick back a few seasons and have a look at what happens to these clubs, 82 onwards. So Canberra uh, finished 10th in 82. Not a bad, actually not too bad, you know, for, uh, sorry, no, 83. Uh, 82 they finished last, that's right. They finished last in 82. Uh, that 83, I think they start to pick up a few of these Queenslanders at this point. And then they finish 10th in 83. Uh, in 84, they finish in a playoff for for the uh, with South Sydney and they end up losing that one. So, you know, maybe, maybe having Cooper Cronk gets them an extra win. They don't need the playoff. Uh, they might have gone to the finals, actually got to play an actual final of the playoff. Uh, so that's that's 84, and then at 85 they finish in 10th. So 86 they finish in 11th, and then 87 is the year they go to the grand final. So um, you know possibility that he if he gets there by 87. So if he's he's been in the in the New South Wales rugby for five years, which means that he's possibly you know sort of cut his teeth when he's trade. Uh, so maybe that 87 grand final he could maybe make a bit of a difference but it really feels like it's the Hazlitt and Lyons show um, I don't think it may I don't think they're going to beat Manly in 87 uh, it was a really big effort for Canberra to make there but um, then sort of as by that time you're kind of getting to the point when Canberra bring in Ricky Stewart so uh, I'm not sure when his first season was. It would be around this point. I don't think he was there by 87. Um, but probably let's... Uh, I'm not really sure how that up. I suppose I'll just type in Ricky Stewart, don't I? Find out when his first season was. Um, we played for Australia in 1990. So when's his first season? 88. Okay, so the year after. 
that grand final. So if Ricky Stewart's arriving, uh, the rugby convert, uh, trying to get them over the top, yeah, maybe Cronk loses his job, ends up somewhere else, ends up back in the BRL, uh, ends up changing clubs. Yeah, it's probably not probably not the ideal thing for him to do. I think he's too good a player to lose his job, so I don't know what happens there. I'm not sure whether maybe Canberra don't pick up um, Ricky Stewart. He doesn't come across, so he continues to play rugby. Um, and we never get Ricky Stewart in, in the rugby league, which would be very interesting, because imagine if he never came to rugby league. Um, there's another hypothetical we could do, but imagine if that's the case and Cooper Cronk's the halfback in a 29-year-old Cooper Cronk in 1989 and 1990, um, you know, helping them win those two and then going on from that point because, you know, obviously he's a little bit old. He would have been a little bit older, I imagine. Oh, what what age would was Ricky Stewart in 88? Uh, Ricky Stewart in 88. It's 21, yeah. So he's like seven years older uh, if I'm giving him this timeline. Um, bear in mind that I was sort of just starting in as 22 in, in 82. I could also push him to the end. So I could make him basically Ricky Stewart. He could have been a, a junior rugby union player, Cooper Cronk, that came in instead of Ricky Stewart coming in. Um, but let's just leave that at now. Let's go, let's have a little Balmain because I think Balmain's an interesting idea um, because they're a club that was on the rise at the time. And like I said, you know, they had Steve Martin, uh, it wouldn't be hard to displace Martin. Not that he was a not a great player, but obviously not a big name, not someone that you'd have to really worry about, you know, sort of upsetting. That you know, they if this young kid was good and they could get him, then they probably would have. Uh, so, yeah. So basically, in in 1983, Balmain makes the finals. They finish fourth. They finish two points behind both Parramatta and Canterbury. So. You know, if Balmain with Cooper Cronk, with a year under his belt, uh, playing good football, maybe could get two extra wins and get and be in the, or get even one extra win. Uh, well, probably need two because of the for and against, but, you know, could get themselves into that second versus third game rather than playing the winner of the playoff, um, who they actually lose to. So St. George wins the playoff that year and then beats Balmain. Um, so that Balmain team in 83 let's see if we can pull that up um, and see sort of recognizable names of Balmain and that's in that era uh, let's see 82 let's go to 83 uh, while I'm doing this a big thank you to rugby league project as well so that's what I'm searching it on um, if you don't know about rugby League project then it's a fantastic website has tons and tons of stats really helpful helpful for research um, help support them if you can and yeah look at I, I just want to thank them because I do use their stuff quite a lot um, yeah okay so in terms of the Balmain team in 83 so that's that team that could have possibly uh, made it to yeah, made a bit further in the finals we'll take Steve Martin out of that team give it Hardwick I notice Wayne Pierce is there obviously uh, Olsen Filipana is there uh, there's a few other names, but no one of massive significance apart from uh, who was that? Neil Whitaker, Steve Roach. Sorry, missed Steve Roach on the way through. Gary Jack. Uh, so the startings of of a really good team. Ben Elias is in there as well. Sorry, I just I'm looking for names and they keep skipping them. But uh, you, you, you 
when you think Balmain 80s and the, the good old Phillips uh, jersey, you, know, you think of those main guys, they're all there, uh, but still very young. Like Jack, Gary Jack's 22, um, Steve Roach is 21, Ben Elias is 19, so like this is, this is very early. Um, so I'm not expecting that they're going to be a massive force or anything like that, but yeah, maybe an extra win get, gets them a, a finals win, you know, or gets them a bit further into the finals, a bit more confidence for next season. Uh, in 84, they finish outside the finals, but not by much, only by pretty much one win. So, uh, plus a negative 10 on differential. So it's a possibility that, you know, they get one more win and they're in a, well, the way they did the, the finals in those days, if you finished on the same points as the fifth place team, you've got a playoff. Um, so one more win would have got them into a playoff there, which, you know, possibly they could have got a bit further. Um, South's got a bit further. They actually come from the playoff of Canberra, then beat Manly and then got into the, that third, like the sort of second week of the finals. Um, we're beaten by St. George, but, you know, St. George were the eventual... Uh, eventually it knocked out in the prelims so it's it wasn't too bad they they got pretty far um so yeah maybe balmain can go on that run uh 85 i think it was a much better year for them they finished second on the table so you know one more win and they get a week off and you know instead of st george getting the week off in 85 uh maybe balmain has the week off so if that's the case if they got on top of st george and they got the week off uh that means that We'd still have the same playoff, so you'd have Penrith beating Manly in the playoff. Uh, Parramatta smashed Penrith. We'll we'll keep that one because uh, certain Penrith fans love that, love knowing about that one. Uh, and Canterbury actually beat Balmain in that first week. So instead of Canterbury being Balmain, we're going to say Canterbury's playing St George instead. Uh, Canterbury eventually beats St George, so we'll say Canterbury does beat them in the first week of the playoffs, which means that uh, the St George team has to play Parramatta, who absolutely thumped Balmain. So Parramatta were coming home with a wet sail this season. Uh, this is the season where pretty much most of their their recognised players all went over to play in England, and they were late coming back. It took them a long time to get back. Uh, they went on a bit of a run at the end of the season, made the finals, uh, went on a bit of a run at the finals, obviously, you know, being Penrith, being Balmain easily, and then came up against Canterbury and just terrible game, terrible prelim, just didn't get there. But if we're, if we're to say that it flicked the other way, it's Parramatta playing St. George. Uh, Balmain's then playing Canterbury, who had won. Uh, and we'll say that Balmain dispatches Canterbury because St. George did that. So we're saying maybe Balmain could do it. Uh, and then Parramatta would beat St. George, knock them out. So St. George aren't going to be in the 85 grand final anymore. Uh, and then it's going to be Canterbury, Parramatta, so Canterbury will still win. So you'd end up with... Balmain Canterbury Grand Final, which would be interesting. I, I don't know of having Cooper Cronk in there for them. He's now in his third season in the New Rugby League, so could be that he does kind of get them over the line. I mean, in that game, like I said, you know, we're talking about 85, so we're talking about uh, Steve Morris as the halfback in, at St. George, I'm pretty sure. I, I remember him. I remember him scoring... Uh, in the grand final, but uh, I don't remember if... Yeah, I'm not really sure if he was... Hold on. See if we can just give a summary of it. I'll see who was in the grand final team. Uh, grand final. Let's view the grand final teams. Uh, so St. George... No, they had... 
that Perry Haddock halfback. Uh, yeah, Steve Morris had gone to the wing. But I don't know about this Perry. I don't know much about this Perry Haddock, but um, yeah, he's popped up in a couple of teams. So obviously interesting. But yeah, the can that grand final that uh, yeah Canberra wins. They only win seven six. So you know, despite how dominant Canberra kind of were and how dominant teams were in this decade, there are a lot of very close results in the eighties that could have won either way. Um, so you know, I mean, Balmain may have won a grand final in eighty five. With, with Cooper Cronk, with the extra bit of uh, talent they had there, could have won it. Um, I'm not saying they would definitely have won it, but there's a, a real, pos- real possibility it could have happened. I mean, the difference is obviously one player difference, you know, d- maybe doesn't always make the difference, but, um, you know, by 85, Balmain's got Scott Gale at halfback. I mean, very talented player, Scott Gale, but we're talking about... The difference between Scott Gale is more of a kind of Phil Blake type, more of a um, creates chances for himself, creates chances for others. Um, whereas I feel like Cooper Cronk is more of the you know sort of Sterling type, where he's positioning the team in the best position to be in and creating pressure on the opposition and and knowing where to to send the play to to op- to maximise the attack and things like that. So. I think it's they've got more direction. I mean, this team had Gary Schofield in the centres. I can imagine, you know, Cronk throwing some some great cutout balls to Schofield, putting him through. Um, you know, Ross Conlon out there. There's some. I mean, you got some really great players, sort of playing in this team. And like I said, this is a few more seasons on. We've got Steve Roach, Benny Elias. Um, you know, there is there is the real makings of. Of a good side there and you know maybe just needed a little bit of a push so maybe a very talented halfback that Cooper Cronk would still be uh, could have maybe got them over the line uh, so if we keep going we'll go a bit forward just we won't say they definitely win 85 but we'll say there was a possibility they could have done it then um, in 86 they finish in fifth position in a playoff so maybe they don't have to do the playoff they ended up they ended up winning the playoff but getting beaten by Manly in the first week uh, sorry, sorry, winning the playoff, beating Manly, then beating South, and then getting beaten by Canterbury in the prelim final. So, I mean, possibility that Balmain goes back-to-back grand finals here because, you know, maybe they do beat Canterbury in this game. Uh, I'm, not showing that, I'm not saying they win that game, but I'm also saying that, you know, they might be in the grand final two years in a row, which would be really great for them. Uh, and then 87, I think, was a, a bit of a, down a year they they did finish fourth so still still a really good effort um only two points behind second so you know they could have really shook shook up that grand final again i mean they ended up getting beaten in the first week of the finals this time but they could have really shaken it up um and then by 88 he'd be a 28 year old uh he'd be similar sort of age to you know some of the other guys running around at halfback um you know i think this was this was kind of when Parramatta and Canterbury declined, and that oh sorry not Canterbury, Parramatta declined. Um, Eighty seven, they really fell away. Canterbury kind of jumped back. This was the the year they won that that uh, grand final. This is the year that Balmain went on their incredible run. Um, so perhaps with Cooper Cronk, they don't need to go on as big a run because they're already, you know, they're already pretty close. They're they're already a pretty good team. Um, they actually end up in sixth position to do a playoff but they're in sixth position at the same points as what 
third who Canberra is on. So, you know, one more win and they're in third outright. Uh, two more wins and they're, you know, they're basically coming second. So, you know, one extra win and they're, like I said, they're third. So they're playing Canterbury in the first week. So instead of having to come all the way through, because basically what happens is in 88 is Cronulla is the, is the minor premiers um, and they pretty much shit the bed. They lose both their games. Uh, they lose against Canterbury and then they lose against Balmain and then Canterbury beats Balmain in that grand final. But Balmain's played five games. Oh, this is their fifth game in four weeks. So, yeah, and they'd been on a massive run. Uh, they'd been up for a long time and, you know, basically this was the big game they had to win. And, I mean, Canterbury never looked like they were going to get beaten in that game. But if Balmain's playing them in the first week of the finals, coming off that run, you know, they they pretty easily dispatch Manly in the first week. They, they dispatch Canberra in the second week. They dispatch Cronulla in the third week. Like, they could have very easily beaten Canterbury in that first playoff. So they would be the ones playing Cronulla. They could then beat them and be straight to the grand final. And then all of a sudden, Canterbury's got to beat, you know, like a Canberra and then a Cronulla again. Um, or maybe they have to beat Manly. It depends on whichever way it goes. But, um, you know, it could be that, that this is what gets Belmont over the line. Maybe a couple of close calls in the in a couple of years earlier in the 80s and then they get 88 um, and if they get 88 then they're just as good a team in 89 we could be talking about the two dominant sides of the 80s being Parramatta and Balmain instead of Parramatta and Canterbury because you know if we look at it we had Balmain making the 85 grand final they possibly win uh, Balmain making the 86 grand final maybe they win maybe Parramatta wins it either way uh, they're making grand final in 88 winning it then winning in 89 so that gets them at least three maybe four titles so it could be the case of you know Parramatta wins four in the 80s Balmain wins three in the 80s you know Manly wins one uh, Canterbury wins one and I don't know where else we up to we're up to four three one and one we're missing one I don't know what the other one is it might be oh it's Canterbury in 84 so maybe Canterbury wins two so, yeah, like, you know, it might be Parramatta 4, Balmain 3, Canterbury 2, and then um, 1 for Manly, and, yeah, and that's, yeah, look, that could be the case. Um, and if, that's, if that is the case, then, you know, that's a massive thing for that club, for Balmain. Um, winning three titles in the 80s would be huge. They, they hadn't won once since 69, so, you know, winning three of them at that point would be absolute would absolutely be huge and maybe would would shape what happens to them in the 90s a bit too so let's just go let's just a little bit of a wrap up i'm, I'm saying that i think the cooper Cronk would be a very successful player in the 80s um i don't think it's the same thing i don't think he dominates because he's a player from nowadays i think he dominates because well, not I mean not dominates, but I think he's competitive and he's a top-level halfback uh, because of the fact that he is the similar kind of style to someone like a Peter Sterling. So he's going to read the play well. He's not a flashy halfback. He doesn't need to be in the 80s. In the 80s, you needed to be tough, and I think he's tough. I mean, we saw from the grand final we play with a busted shoulder, he's tough. Um, I think he'd be almost the perfect player for the 80s. I think that's his... That's the era that I think if you could pick Cooper Cronk up from and put him somewhere else, 
I think he's most suited to the 80s. I think anything earlier than that, I don't think he's a tough, tough guy. He's not like a 70s halfback. He's not a Tommy. He's not like a Kevin Hastings. He's not, you know, he's not one of those kind of guys. So uh, halfback really kind of changed. The 80s kind of became like a renaissance for the halfback. The halfback was the controller. Um, you know, before that, in earlier years, they were just, they weren't really the controllers of the game. So I think that's kind of the right period to put him into. Uh, and then by the by the end of the 80s, he would be getting a bit older. Uh, guys like Ricky Stewart would be coming through. Uh, you know, Alfie Langer, that sort of thing. And that's kind of a different type of halfback again. Um, I don't think, I never, I mean, I never really noticed, but I don't feel like Cooper Cronk was the kind of halfback that threw massively long balls or anything like that. I feel like he had he had a better depth touch of passing, uh, which really suits him in the 80s again. So I, I think that it would be a winner. It'd be a real winner for him to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think he would be the best player in the 80s, but I think he would be in the top three halfbacks, maybe top four. Um, so I think it'd be him and, and Turvey and, and uh, Sturlo and, you know, possibly Hasler is kind of there as well. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, obviously it would be different, be interesting for Queensland as well. Um, you know, Queensland really struggled through State of Origin at this time. So, you know, having someone like that who is playing in the New South Wales competition, playing at the level with these other guys, um, you know, I think that a couple of those New South Wales victories, like Queensland did start a lot stronger in the State of Origin, but um, I think that by the time that New South Wales started to get dominance, that a Cooper Cronk who had been 22 in, in 1982 would probably be, you know, alongside Wally Lewis there and and maybe maybe just enough to give Queensland a couple more victories there as well. So, and yeah, so maybe that, that might happen as well. I think he probably plays less for Australia because as it was, there was like a battle between Sterling and Mortimer and I don't think a third person, I don't think Cronk would be quite at their level. Um, but I think it would be a very competent player and very good player. Um, and yeah, it would be very inter- interesting to have seen it. So I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you agree with what I think. Uh, if you don't, if you think that he would have been a massive disaster, that'd be great. You can tell me that. If you think he would have been a world better and be better than everyone else on, I've just mentioned, that'd be great. If you think he would have gone to a different club than what I'm saying as well, or if he would have, maybe he would have just stayed in the BRL the whole time. You know, maybe that's the case. But uh, being a person from Sydney, I like to talk about the Sydney competition. Uh, but yeah, look, just let me know. Like I said, hypotheticarl at gmail.com uh, or at hypotheticarl on Twitter. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast. I'd really love for everyone to listen as much as they can. Um, tell friends about it. Uh, it's great. It's great with a little community we've got going at the moment. And I'd, I'd love to have more people. I'd love to be able to uh, to interact with more of you on on Twitter and interact with you, you know, through through emails as well. If you've got any thoughts for for anything, just send it to me, and um, I hope that I can hear from you soon. All right, thank you. Bye.